Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk Podcast. I'm Carrie, and I am an elementary music teacher who loves to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number 26. Today, I will be talking about my top five iPad apps for the music room. I'll also share some highs and lows from my week, a work smarter, not harder teacher tip, and in the coda section, I'll give some specific recommendations of my favorite things in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. So it's time to share some high notes and low notes that I've been having lately. And I'm going to start with my low note because it explains why I'm here by myself. So my low note is that I'm a little lonely. I don't have Tanya with me today. And she has given me permission to share why that is. So a few weeks ago, Tanya had surgery. She had a complete thyroidectomy. I think I'm saying that right. Due to a couple of large growths that her doctors had found a while ago. And um, they believed about 70% it was likely that those growths would be cancerous. But the only way to know that would be to remove the thyroid, do the testing, and then go from there. Um, Tanya had the surgery. They removed the thyroid. Very quick, successful surgery. She was home that evening, actually. Um, The high note that goes with this low note is that it's not cancer. She is 100% cancer-free, and that the nodules were benign, I guess would be the word for it. So um, other than the surgery and the recover of the surgery, Tanya is doing just fine. Um, the low note for her and for me is that she is on complete vocal rest right now, well, as much as possible. Um, she has been taking some time off work, obviously, since she's not able to use her voice and taking time off of this podcast, since she shouldn't be talking so much. Um, Tanya will be returning to work later this week, but she's going to be doing lots of activities that require no voice, lots of dance and movement and things with recorded music. And if you have ever been in this situation where you have completely lost your voice or have been on vocal rest, I'm sure Tanya would love some tips and tricks. So you feel free to send us a message on Facebook or on Instagram, or you can go to Tanya's blog, and I'm sure she would love some suggestions of things to do, because I know she's a little worried, as we all would be if we were in that situation. So high note, no cancer for Tanya, and hopefully a speedy recovery. Low note, I'm on my own today. So um, today I'll be doing some Uh, sharing out of my favorite iPad apps. Since Tanya doesn't share the amount of iPads that I do, I have a full class set. I know she has a few, but um, because I'm able to do a little bit more with technology, I thought that might be something that I can share on my own. So more on that later. So now let me share my high note with you. And I'm going to go back to I believe it was the last podcast, number 25, about favorite fall songs and activities. I shared a story with Tanya and all of you about a sixth grade class that I have that's a little challenging. Um, I've been struggling with them with behavior. They're very wild, and they don't get along well as a class. They weren't gelling well, and it was very sweet. I had a few listeners who reached out to me and sent me some tips and some ideas, which I absolutely love and appreciate because we're all lifelong learners and I love to hear your ideas as well. But I ended up going back the next class period ready to do some mindfulness with them per Tanya's suggestion. I had the glitter bottles that she has given me and I was ready to do a little thing with them. Now full disclosure and I'll try to keep this short but 
the day that I found out, or the day I was going to have those sixth graders, I found out that a former coworker had a, a freak medical thing happen and was placed on life support and was most likely going to be taken off life support that day. And we had found that out that morning. And although I didn't know this coworker extremely well, we had only worked together one year, it still was a very tough day at our school. Obviously, everyone was very upset, myself included. Um, I had about 20 minutes before those sixth graders were going to walk in the door to have some time to process. And I thought by the time they walked in the door, I was going to be okay. However, when they walked in the door, they were very amped up. Obviously, they had no idea what was going on. Um, and it just all kind of hit me at once, and I started to cry in front of them, and I know that might seem a little bit out and off, but it was just one of those livable, teachable moments where I couldn't help it. The tears just started to come, and I was really upset about this former coworker. I was upset of feeling, like, helpless, I guess, helpless about what was going on personally, helpless of what was going on with these kids in front of me, and so... Without really saying much, I just grabbed the glitter bottle and I shook it and I was crying, visibly crying. And the the students got very quiet. And I told them, you know, I'm going to explain to you in a moment why I'm crying. But first, I need to explain to you what this bottle represents. So I told them about how the glitter is like all the the stuff. And I, you know what? I said the word crap. Sometimes you just got to lay it on the table. I said, this glitter represents all the crap going on in your life. Um, The things that cause you to be stressed, the things that cause you to be worried. Um, Most of the time, it's the stuff that's not good, although sometimes it could be the things that are good. But it's the things that are distracting you from being the best learner you can be and the best person you can be. And when you shake up the bottle, you can see it all swirling around, you know, and I gave them the whole analogy about how all of that crap um, takes up all of their thinking space and their brain space and they're, they're not able to focus. But if you can sit and be still and be calm, which then I put the bottle down, the glitter settles, you know, and I was very clear with my students because I do teach a highly impacted school where a lot of my students are dealing with some really tough stuff. And I said, this, this crap, sorry for no better word right now, it doesn't go away. This is the stuff that's with you all the time, and I'm not going to lie to you and say it's just all going to magically go away because you want it to, because it doesn't. Um, but the best thing we can do is come up with our our reaction to it, and the only way we can react in a way that's positive is by allowing ourselves to be still, to be calm, to feel, to think, and to process and then move on. And then at that point, I did share with them why I was upset. I didn't tell them who the person was. I just said somebody in my life was most likely going to be leaving, you know. And at that point, a couple other students just immediately started to cry as well. You know, that empathy piece kicked in, plus they have past experiences of loss and death in their life. So it ended up being a very um, healing day, not just for me personally, but I think for us as a group, Um, They were able to see me as a real person. They were able to see how I was processing my grief and my stress and my situation as a way to model for them how to do the same thing when they're feeling the same way. Um, A couple of kids started to share out things that have happened in their life, people who have died. Um, And it really became a really amazing day. Um, You know, in the midst of this horrible tragedy that was going on, 
I was able to connect with those kids totally by accident in a way that I could have never planned. Um, and it was a short day because um, with that particular class because it's a late start day, so I only had them for 25 minutes. So honestly, by the time they came in, I shared my feelings. They shared their feelings. That was about 15 minutes, and we had about 10 minutes left. And I said, well, here's where we are. I don't see us starting anything new today, so let's just play a couple of our favorite singing games and just have some fun together, and then we'll start fresh next week. And since then, I've had that class a couple of times, and I always have the Mindful Glare bottle just ready to go. So if they come in and they seem really amped up again, I just shake it, and I don't even say anything. I just shake it, I set it down, and kind of during our warm-up song, they're watching that glitter settle, and it just gives them that visual reminder that I'm there for them, I understand how they're feeling, I want to help them process it and get through it, and we're going to get through it together. And um, I, I've had some really, really amazing day with those kiddos, which I knew they had all the potential in the world. It was just letting all of that crap settle so that they could be amazing musicians. And since then, I've also had the PE teacher and the art teacher kind of ask me, okay, how is that class doing for you? And I shared with them and I let them both borrow one of the bottles. So here I was one of the one of the people who just kept questioning Tanya. When every time she would talk about mindfulness, I would say, well, I don't know. I don't think my kids are ready for that. I don't know. But, you know, I'm totally eating my words because not only were they ready for it, they were craving it they were needing it. So if you're in a situation like I have been, where you have been hesitant to do any mindfulness um, with your kiddos, if you work in a highly impacted community, or even if you don't, any community, um, I encourage you just to set your pride aside, as I had to do, and try it and see if it works. So thank you, Tanya, for the mindful glitter bottles. Thank you, everyone, for listening to my story of my sixth graders. I'm sure it's not going to be perfect for the rest of the year, but at least now we have a solid foundation, and I can bring back those mindful glitter bottles whenever I need it. And now for today's main theme. So like I mentioned in my highs and lows, since I'm flying solo today, I thought about doing a podcast that was maybe more uniquely me. Um, and I am very blessed to have a set of iPads in my classroom. I have 28 iPads in my classroom. Um, our school is a one-to-one -one device school, generally, with a little bit of exception to that. Um, we used to be one-to-one -one iPad school K through six. Um, and then a few years ago, we decided as a school that it was time to transition our older kiddos to Chromebooks because that's what they were going to be testing on. And it was important that they had those keyboarding skills moving forward. So they decided um, fourth, fifth, and sixth graders would be one-to-one -one Chromebooks. We're not quite one-to-one -one yet to the point where each kid has their own. We have carts that are shared. We're getting close. I think we're about 75% close to being one-to-one, -one. Um, but it's not like they all have their own Chromebook that they can bring with them to class. It doesn't work that way. Um, kinder through third grade is one-to-one -one iPads. Um, so because we had all these extra iPads then floating around the building, I asked our digital teacher librarian if 
I could have some of those iPads and technically share them. So I share them with art, music, and PE. We put them on a cart, but they do live in my classroom. I keep them charged. I keep them organized. And whenever the art teacher or PE teacher wants to use them, I make sure I share. But for the most part, they are in my room, and so I'm able to do a lot with them, which is really great. One thing that I love about having my own set of iPads versus iPads that the kids bring with them to my class, or Chromebooks for that matter, is that I am fully 100% responsible for making sure they are charged and ready to go. I found that when the kids did have their own devices and I would ask them to bring them to music class, sometimes that would cause more trouble than it was worth because they would either completely forget it because it was at home or they'd bring it and it was dead, not even close to being charged. Um, They were always telling me they didn't have enough chargers in their classroom, that they were getting stolen, that they were getting lost. And so if I created any sort of assignment digitally, I always had to have paper copies of it no matter what. And so it was it was really getting frustrating because I felt like the whole reason of using the technology was to not only, you know, engage them in that way, but also to go paperless and go a little bit more 21st century in that way. And yet I wasn't able to do that fully. So I actually prefer it this way, having my own set of devices. And so even though K through three have their own iPads, I do not have them bring iPads to my class at all. If we're going to do anything on the iPads, we're using my class set, which I prefer. So I keep my iPads in three boxes and I have enough to charge one box at a time. So I just rotate them and it's perfect because we're on a three-day rotation at school. So day one, I charge box one. Day two, I charge box two. Day three, I charge box three and I just keep rotating. Even if we haven't used the iPads that day or even that week, I still just rotate them every day just to make sure they're all getting a nice full charge and they charge overnight. Um, So when I do use them, they're ready to go. So just a little background of how I use the iPads and how I organize them. So today I just want to share with you um, my top five favorite apps. And I know, you know, iPads have been around for a while. Some of you might be past iPads. Some of you might be working with Chromebooks now or other types of tech. Maybe you've had iPads for a long time and you're a much better expert than me. So this is just my humble opinion, my top five favorite apps. I'm going to share some things that the kids work on, but then I'm also going to share some apps that are just for me as a teacher, just for you. So I'm just going to start with a fun one today, and it is called Blob Chorus Ear Training. And this is an app that currently costs 99 cents. I believe at one point it used to be free, and it's one of the apps that now we have a district, I guess you would call it a license for, that I'm able to get it through my district um, app service whatever you want to call it. Um, So if you're getting it from scratch, it might be 99 cents. So with caution, just know that that's how much it is. But it's just a really fun, engaging app for the kiddos. It's great for stations or centers if you only have a couple of iPads. And what it is, it's these little creatures, these little blobs, and they each sing a pitch. And then there's a king blob, and you have to figure out which little blob is singing the same pitch as the king blob. And let me tell you, it's actually more challenging than the kids realize because sometimes they're just a half step off, half step off, excuse me, and also because it's a male voice. So because of that octave displacement, it's actually kind of challenging even for the older students. You can change the settings. So you can have more than one blob, you know, so it's the choices. You have more than one choice. Um, I usually start with three, but if you want 
want to up the ante, you could definitely add more. So again, it's just a fun, quick, and easy way for kids to practice ear training and just simply noticing whether or not they're matching pitch. We use it a lot for stations. So again, that one, let me make sure I get the full title. It's called Blob Chorus Ear Training by Lumpty Learning, and it's cute, and it's 99 cents, so give it a try. So now I'm going to talk about uh, the big app, the one that I use the most, and you've heard me talk about it on this podcast before, and it's Seesaw. So if you're not familiar with what Seesaw is, Seesaw is a digital portfolio app where each kiddo gets their own portfolio where they can do assignments, keep all of their work, and you can even share that portfolio with parents. You can send them uh, some sort of an access code. Now, I'll be honest, I haven't done that part yet. That's in the future for me. But there is a way that you can share, and I know some music teachers out there do this. Um, Seesaw was introduced to me by a teacher friend a couple years ago, and at the time, I was using Google Classroom, because again, this was back when my older students would bring their own iPads to my class. Um, and the reason why I switched over from Google Classroom to Seesaw is a couple of reasons. One is the way that the students log in. Um, with Seesaw, they log in by scanning a QR code, one of those black and white boxes, those codes. So they don't have to remember any sort of login or any sort of password. With Google Classroom, if a kiddo ended up getting logged out, sometimes it was such a pain to get them to remember their sign-in and their password. Um, and so I love with Seesaw, we don't have any of that. I simply display the code for them, they log in, and they're ready to go. The other thing I like about Seesaw that at the time you couldn't do with Google Classroom, maybe you can now, is there's an option that the students can record themselves, either audio or video. So I have used Seesaw a lot for recorder testing. So I can post a song to Seesaw. They can view the song, the PDF of whatever song we're working on, and then they hit record and they can record themselves playing the song. Um, and then I can comment back to tell them they're great, give them some tips and tricks. Um, one assignment that I did this year that was really successful, and I actually did this when I was gone and there was a sub, was I had them do a 16-beat rhythm composition. And so they had a template that they had to use their finger to draw rhythms, and then they recorded on top of that. So I love that it's really intuitive. It really acts almost like... Facebook, the way that the students are interacting to it, because then once they complete an assignment, it gets posted to their journal, which kind of looks like your page of Facebook, and you can go back and see comments. Now, there is an option with Seesaw that you can have the students see each other's work. You can have them comment on each other's work, like each other's work, just again, like you would with Facebook. I actually have turned that option off because I wanted my students to feel like they were really free and in a judgment-free zone. I've only been at my school for three years, and I still feel like, especially with those older students, I'm still building trust with them, and we're really building a community of musicians. And so I wasn't quite ready, especially when it comes to composition or performance, I wasn't quite ready to have them sharing for the whole class. Um, I wish, and maybe this is something that is possible and I just don't know and you can tell me. I wish there was an option where you could have some assignments be public within the class and other assignments not, but right now it seems like it's only an all, all or nothing deal. So I have it turned off.
But just keep in mind when I say public, it's only public to the students who are logging in with the QR code. So you never want to share that QR code with parents because then they're able to see other students' work potentially. So what you share with parents is a very specific code just to, for them to be able to see their own child's work. So I just wanted to throw that out there. So just a couple of FYIs with Seesaw. It's a really amazing tool. I love using it. Please know that with the free um, account for Seesaw, you can have up to 10 classes. So if you plan on using Seesaw with more than 10 classes, at that point, they're going to ask you to pay for a pro account, Seesaw Pro. And it is a monthly fee, I believe. Now, I was able to get around that by creating one grade level as a class. So for example, my fourth grade, even though I have three separate fourth grade classes, I made fourth grade one class in Seesaw. The upside to that is when I'm posting assignments, I only have to do it once and it's there in fourth grade and I don't have to post the same assignment three times. Not like that's hard. You can just simply kind of copy and paste in a way. Once you create an activity in Seesaw, it saves it to your library. It's very easy to put in the other classes. Um, but that way I was able to do more students in less classes and get a little bit of bang for my free buck, so to speak. Um, the downside is when the students are logging in, they scan the QR code and then they have to scroll through to find their name. So obviously if you have a whole grade level of kids, it's a little harder for them to find their name. But I will say I've done it both ways. I have like my sixth graders, I have those separated out by class. And my fourth graders, I have them all in one class. And I didn't notice any problem with the fourth graders logging in and finding their class. So there's lots of activities out there. Once you start playing around in Seesaw, there is an activity library where lots of great music teachers have uploaded things. So I definitely encourage you to just download it, create an account. I created a demo class where I just put a couple of made-up students in there so that way I could play around. So I would put an assignment in my demo class and then I would take one of my student iPads, I would sign in as a student, and I would actually just kind of play around and go through the activities. I find that's the best way to learn what type of activities work the best and which ones the students might struggle with. Um, and then like I said earlier, the great thing about Seesaw is once the kids are proficient at it and they're used to it, it's a great thing for you to leave for a sub because that way they have an assignment, they have a very specific thing they need to complete, and then for me, whenever a student completes an assignment, if there's extra time, then they can go in and do other apps, like the Blob Chorus I already mentioned. So um, I left Seesaw for my sub for the first time this year, and even though she's not a music sub or even necessarily a tech person, she really loved um, that the kids were able to get on Seesaw and do the assignment. So again, I just highly encourage you to create an account, create a demo account, and just start poking around, see what activities other music teachers have created, create your own, and just give it a try and see what you can come up with. The kids really enjoy it. And if you only have a few iPads in your room, you could definitely use this as a station because again, the kids are signing in with the QR code. So even if you have five iPads, you just have to teach them how to sign in with the QR code and then make sure you teach them how to log out. That part's important because then they have to log out before the next kiddos grab the iPad. But that way you don't have to worry about it being one-to-one -one necessarily with the iPads. They each can sign in and do the assignment that you leave for them and it's a lot of fun and very engaging.
Now, the next couple of apps I'm going to recommend for my top five are really apps that I use more as a teacher. Um, there are so many great apps out there. I know if you search any of the music teacher Facebook groups or blogs, you're going to see a ton. But I really want to focus now on the apps that help me be a more productive teacher. Um, so I'm going to talk about Class Dojo here a little bit. I know Class Dojo is nothing new, but I think oftentimes we think as music teachers that Class Dojo is maybe for classroom teachers and not necessarily for us. Class Dojo is an amazing way to give your students and parents feedback on behavior, both positive and negative. And even more importantly, it's a wonderful way for you to share with parents the things that you are working on in class. Now, this might seem redundant to what I was saying with Seesaw, which is why I haven't necessarily pushed that my parents get on Seesaw, because I would say at my school we're about... I'd say we're probably about 90% of our parents are on Class Dojo. We adopted Class Dojo as a school a couple years ago. And so whenever I want to post pictures or videos or anything, um, announcements, I will go to Dojo because the parents are already logged on there. And I don't want to complicate it by having them do Seesaw too. I'm sure it's possible to do both. I just haven't gone to that arena yet. So I just want to mention as a music teacher that if you have classroom teachers who are already doing Class Dojo, all you have to do is create your own Class Dojo account and then ask the teachers to share their class with you. I feel that that's a much more effective way to communicate with the students and the parents than you creating all new music classes that are separate. So in our school, students have rewards that they're working on based on their Dojo points. And so if a teacher shares with me their class dojo, then I can give students points or takeaway points, and it goes to their main classroom. And so then the parents are able to see what's going on in the music class as well. I can write individual messages to parents, both positive and negative, and that's been one of my goals is that by the end of the year, I'm hoping that I have sent a positive message to every parent that's on Class Dojo at least once throughout the year. Um, it's a lofty goal, but I'm actually keeping track of it in my gradebook when I do send a, a note home to a parent, and that is my goal because those positive connections are so important. And if you think about it, you know, we as music teachers, we don't have that luxury that classroom teachers do of having parents drop off and pick up, and we don't see the parents at the classroom parties or on the field trips or even during parent-teacher conferences. So Class Dojo is a great way for me to check in with parents. It's also, like I said, a great way for me to share photos and videos of what the kids are working on. And because it's not necessarily a public forum, I'm able to do that. Now, if there is a kiddo whose parents have signed a uh, no photography, no videos, I still will not put those students in anything on Class Dojo, and that does happen once in a while. But for the rest of them, I feel totally comfortable putting pictures and photos on Class Dojo because it's just our school community that is able to view those things. It's not like I'm putting them on Facebook or on a blog or on Instagram, which I personally do not believe that's an okay thing as teachers to do unless you have explicit permission. Um, so that way I can say to the parents, hey, today we are, you know, practicing 
reading rhythms using Ta and Titi. And then here's a little video of the kids writing and rhythms with popsicle sticks or whatever it is. Having photos and videos of what the kids are doing in class is so powerful because especially as a Kodai-inspired teacher, but honestly as any music teacher, oftentimes we are teaching our kids in a way that's very different than how our parents maybe learned music 20 years ago, whenever they were in elementary school, 20 plus years ago. So it's really important that we're able to be that that advocate for our own programs through those photos and videos. Um, and then just for general announcements, when programs are coming up, when choir starting, any of those things, you can just very easily share a post to either the entire school story if you want to reach every parent or individual class stories if you just want to make sure that this one fifth grade class knows when their concert is, etc. So Class Dojo is very much worth your time as a music teacher. Again, it's simple if your classroom teachers are already doing this. Now, if you're in a school where Class Dojo is not already being used, maybe you can be the one to advocate for it. Maybe you can go to your principal or whatever committee would be in charge of those types of, you know, all school decisions and say, you know, Class Dojo is a really great tool. Maybe this is something that we can all work on together. Because I will say having our whole school committed to using Class Dojo has made a huge impact on behavior at my school in just the short amount of time that I've been there. And I wasn't necessarily the one who pushed for it, but I'm so glad that it was pushed for. And I love having the benefit of that. Worst case scenario, if none of your teachers are on board, you can create your own classrooms. I know it will take some time, but you might find that it's worth it, especially if you do have a good relationship with your parents and you're able to get them to sign on to Class Dojo and be a part of your community, just even within the music class. I think it's well worth your time. So something to think about and consider, Class Dojo is a really wonderful resource. My next resource, again, for me as a music teacher is an app called Idokio. It is spelled I-D-O-C-E-O. I've also have heard it referred to as Idocio, but I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be Idokio. Idokio is an app that does cost some money. Last I checked, I think it was around $10 or $11. But this is just a one-time thing that you would purchase for your own iPad if you have one in the room that you are using. And Idokio is a a grade book. It is my seating chart. It is basically anything that requires me to track data on my kids. It is going in Idokio. I really honestly would have a hard time teaching without it. In fact, about a week or so ago, I realized after I got to school that I left my iPad at home. And so I decided, okay, I think I can survive one day without my iPad. And oh my goodness, by my third class, I was kicking myself that I had left it at home because like I said, my seating charts are on there. All of my grading scales and my, my grade book is on there. Anytime I want to make a note about a kiddo that I want to remember later to share with a parent on Class Dojo or in person, I'm able to put it in there. Um, it would be very dry for me to sit here and go over all of the things that Idokio can do, but just know that, I mean, as far as calculating grades, for example, you can create a grading scale in just about any way you want, a percentage grade, a letter grade. You can use icons and assign um, numbers to those icons so that at the end of the grading period, it'll average it out for you. It's really incredible all the things that it can do. 
one of my favorite things about iDokio is that you can create seating charts and upload students' pictures into it or take students' pictures and put it in there. It does take some time at the beginning of the year to get that done, but once you have it done, it's such a great thing for you, especially if you're at a new school or if you just in general have trouble learning names. It's a wonderful way for you to learn your kids' names. You can also export the seating chart with the pictures to a PDF and then print those out. So it's a great tool for subs or guest teachers or student teachers or anyone visiting your room that they have a seating chart that has the students' pictures on them so you can easily see who sits where. So, you know, kiddos can't do the classic, oh, yeah, my name's Johnny, when really your name's not Johnny. Um, do kids do that anymore? I don't know. I feel like they might, but <laughs> this way they they are not able to do it because iDokio has the pictures in there. So there's a ton of things. Like I said, I'm not going to sit here and go into all of it. Um, but if you're someone who's been on the fence about iDokio, about whether or not it's worth the money, I'm going to say a hundred million times yes. Tanya was actually the one who introduced me to this app. Up until then, I had been using the app Teacher Kit, which is similar. You can do, you know, uh, seating charts and grading scales, but iDokio is just a lot more detailed there's a lot more to it and like I said any grade configuration any averaging system any way that you do your grades iDokio is going to be ready to help you and help you get it done so much faster I have found since I've started using iDokio not only inputting grades into my grade book during class while the kids are working but at the end averaging them out and putting them into the, uh, the grade book or the report card system whatever you use it has gone so much faster since I started using iDokio. So this is the one app I know 100% I couldn't live without, and I highly, highly, highly recommend it if you're not already using it. And the final app, my number five app, again, this one is just for you as a teacher, but it comes in handy, is called Splashtop. Splashtop is a way to make your app access, or your iPad, excuse me, access your computer, your laptop. So again, this one does cost a few dollars, I believe, but once you have it installed on your laptop and on your iPad, you're able to turn it on on your iPad, get your iPad to talk to your computer. So for me, the best way Way to use this app is basically like a remote control because now I'm playing all of my music and all of my recordings through my computer into my computer speakers and I have a large enough room that if I'm on the opposite side of the room and we're about to start a folk dance just the time for me to walk over hit play and then walk back to where I was because most likely I'm somebody's partner because there's an odd number it really makes it challenging and it can be a bit of a distraction and it definitely interrupts the flow of the class so I love that with Splashtop that if I have my media player open or iTunes or whatever it is that you use that using Splashtop I'm able to click the play button on my laptop and the music's able to start from there. I mean there's probably other fancier uses for Splashtop than just that but that's really what I use it for. I know if you were doing something on the smart board you could then be standing in the back of the class and you could write on your smart board app or excuse me program on your computer 
through the Splash Top app, and it's like, oh, magic, because somebody's writing on the board and the kids don't see. I mean, it's kind of a novelty, but I suppose there's probably some practical reasons why you might want to do that too. But again, for me, it really just becomes a remote control that allows me to access my computer from across the room, assuming that my iPad is in close reach which it always is because I'm always using iDokio and giving kiddos points on Class Dojo. So I do use my iPad all day, every day for those ways. Um, the kiddos are using them often with Seesaw and then a couple of other apps, like I mentioned the Blob Chorus. And maybe in the show notes, I'll just throw a couple of bonus ones in that I would recommend as well. Like I said, there's great blog posts and great posts on social media about iPad apps. If you're into Chromebooks, I'm sure there's lots of resources out there. I haven't dove into Chromebooks yet, but I know some teachers definitely are, so be on the lookout for those resources. Also, be sure when you're going to either a state conference or a national conference, you're on the lookout for those tech sessions because nowadays it seems that there's lots of tech sessions available. So there's lots of great supports out there for you no matter what technology you're using. My final bit of advice, like I mentioned with Seesaw, is just jump in, try it out, see how it goes, play around, be the kid, because you'll find right away the things that work well and don't when you're on the opposite side and you're doing things the way that your kids would. Good luck with your iPads or your technology, and uh, give me a shout if you need any other ideas or have questions. So now it is time for a work smarter, not harder teacher tip. And since I did our whole main theme about technology today, I'm going to go very low tech for my tip today and talk about dry erase board marker erasers specifically. So, you know, I've seen on Pinterest and out there all of these cute ideas of ways to make dry erase board marker erasers. Um, People stick pom-poms on the dry erase caps, things of those nature that are all very cute and dandy. But I'm going to tell you the cheap and cheerful way that I made erasers forever and a day ago, and they work well. I had a giant piece of felt, and I cut it up into squares. And these little green squares, it was like a hunter green piece of felt that was left over from some Christmas program. Um, Those little green pieces of felt have been with me for about 17 years now. I have never washed them. I suppose I probably could, but I never have because they always clean easily and I've never had any problem with them whatsoever. So kudos to all the cute little ideas out there, but I'm telling you, I'm going to go cheap and cheerful. If you have a piece of felt laying around that you're able to cut up into little squares, I'd say mine are about oh, maybe three by three or four by four inch squares. Um, Those have worked great for my classroom and they might work well for yours too. And now it's time for the CODA section where we give a personal or professional recommendation of something we have been enjoying. 
either in or out of the music room. And today I am going to give a personal recommendation for a podcast that I completely binge listened to this last weekend. It popped up on my recommended on my iTunes podcast app, and it's called The Horror of Dolores Roach. And um, I definitely don't give a, want to give away any spoilers, but it is... It's a gruesome one, people, not going to lie. So if you are squeamish, this might not be for you. Um, And, you know, I'm not a blood and guts and gore kind of girl, but this one I thought was really fun and interesting. It had just enough humor to keep me going, but it is very explicit in every way possible. So if you have children around, do not listen to this with them in the room. Um, I started listening to it because I had lots of driving to do this weekend, lots of different places I had to go for various reasons and I was on the highway up and down around Denver a lot and so I thought I need something to keep me going besides my coffee Um, and I listened to I believe there's eight episodes and I listened to the entire season just this weekend and I finished it last night and uh, perfect for Halloween time or any time you want a little spookiness in your life but like I said listeners be warned because there is some gruesomeness involved some explicit content so just know your audience meaning yourself, um, and uh, maybe read a little bit more on the reviews before you decide if this one's for you. Um, I don't want to give away any more, but The Horror of Dolores Roach, if you're into that kind of stuff, is a good one. We have reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Show notes can be found at Teaching Music. Tanya's Kodai Aspiring blog. You can connect with us on Facebook and on Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. In our next episode, we'll be talking about keeping the joy in the music room during tough times. That was originally scheduled for this episode, but we're pushing it back for when Tanya's back with us, hopefully next time. Until next time, this is Carrie wishing you happy musicking.